This is the East Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Right, welcome in another edition of the East Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, breaking down District 5 and 6 activities week in, week out in the great state of Idaho. My name is Brandon Bainey, and we are joined by Sean Kane, our East Idaho expert. Yo, what's up, Sean? How you doing? Uh, did you hit the record button this time? Yes. <laughs> I'm great then. Uh, no, I'm good. It's, uh, it's uh, as you can tell, it's already dark here. The weather's changed. It's dark uh girls basketball started if you can believe it i did a basketball game last night and there's some new interesting rules in girls basketball i don't know if you knew about this with the fouls yes and it was uh it was it was interesting i don't know how i feel about it but it um was definitely interesting i don't like it personally i'll just be <laughs> i'll be upfront about it uh and we we are going to talk more girls basketball starting next week i will i will say uh we have got our statewide girls basketball previews up on the website idahosports.com um we've got just about every conference knocked out here uh there's a couple still missing but by the end of the week we'll have all of our girls basketball previews up on the site i despise how girls basketball the start of a new season which should be a big event gets overshadowed because they they have it run up against the semifinals and the championship of football. I just can't understand why it is that way. No other state that I've ever lived in, Sean, has girls basketball start while football is concluding. I just can't wrap my head around it. And and there's games like Saturday and Friday, and I'm just like, we have so many East Idaho teams. I know some of the teams are scrambling to reschedule those games so people could go, but I, they have to do that every year. They always end up having to reschedule games for teams that make it. I always think that's it would be a really easy fix to like just go after Thanksgiving or something, right? One week we're already taking a week off. I, you know, I don't know. What do I know? What do I know? I mean, I saw it last weekend. North Fremont's girls were supposed to play Aberdeen on Friday night. Well, only problem is is Ben Lenz, the North Fremont girls coach also coaches the football team and they were playing Friday night in the state semis. So they had to move it to Saturday. Now that's an easy move, but sometimes they're not as easy. And uh, yeah, anyways, I hate it because I, I love basketball, you know, and I think I've said this on the show before. I like basketball way more than football. You know, I, I like football, but I love basketball. And so I've been really wrapped up in girls hoops, especially getting these previews, you know, up on the site. And so there's so many good, like, Snake River is playing Kimberly this weekend, and that should oh, be a, a great. yeah, it should be a huge matchup, and, and nobody's going to be talking about it. Yeah. Uh, and East Idaho's got some amazing teams, and yeah, you know, I'll give you a little preview. I think Shelly's going to be good. <laughs> you know, Coach Carlson said the same thing uh, when we <laughs> when we reached out to her for for some preseason quotes. So yes, all the girls' basketball previews up on the website, idahosports.com. And we'll dive more into girls hoops next week. Um, but yes, a couple of new rules. First of all, shot clock. Everybody's got to have one now. I would say in East Idaho, most of the teams had one already last year, but now everybody does. I like what, that one. Yeah, that's a good rule. But what you're specifically referring to is um, they've changed the way the bonus is, where it used to be, okay, once a team commits seven fouls in a half, you are now in the bonus. Now it's after it's per quarter and it is after five fouls in a quarter, right? Yeah, correct. Five fouls. And it's gotta be 
Um, you know, if it's an offensive foul, you don't get a shoot. That what came into question last night. Um, you know, it's not a defensive foul, it's an offensive foul. Right. I'm no expert on it. I, you know, learned it with the refs last night. The refs, but the refs knew it, you know, really well. They explained it to the kids before they played, even um, the freshman refs did. So the refs know it. It's about getting, you know, the stat people, the coaches. You know, we I had more we had more questions about that rule from the the opposing coaches and like i'm just the pa guy i don't know <laughs> but uh you know uh it, you know anytime you change something it's there's going to be a little growing pains and i found it it just found i just found it really fascinating um i guess the idea of it is it to speed it up and to prevent maybe injuries i heard someone say um so you're not fouling but you really have to game manage a lot different because uh, you know, if you want to stop the clock in the fourth quarter, you might not even be anywhere close. <laughs> yeah. And, and I guess, so here is the, <clears throat> here's from the official rule book. All right. Rule four dash eight dash one eliminates the one in one for common fouls, beginning with the seventh foul in the half and establishes the bonus as two free throws or yeah, two shots for a common foul beginning with the team's fifth foul in each quarter. And then the foul totals reset at the start of the new quarter. So there's no more bonus and double bonus. It's just the bonus and you get two free throws regardless. Now here's where it lists rationale. Improves the flow by providing an opportunity for teams to adjust their play by not carrying fouls from quarters one and three to quarters two and four, while significantly reducing the opportunity for correctable errors to occur. It minimizes the risk of injury by eliminating the one and one and reducing opportunities for rough play during rebounding opportunities. And to that, I've got to say, I don't agree at all. All you're doing is, I mean, there's still going to be quote unquote rough play on the, uh, on the second shot. Uh, yeah. That makes no sense to me. Yeah. I don't, I, I didn't get that. I just found it interesting talking to, century coats uh meg fleshman that now you're kind of your strategy changes too because you know they're going to get two shots and you know depending on the score or whatever you know two shots it's it's a lot different than a one-on-one right if they don't you know it's just it changes the dynamic of what's going to happen by a ton and you know everyone's learning and adjusting to that but i it's it was just weird is that five and no five this quarter everyone's yelling five no not the person's fifth pal five team so because you know five fouls is usually referred to a player fouling out right so you right. kept here in fifth foul all the time and it's not about who's who fouled out you'd hear coaches go who fouled out no no one fouled out it's the fifth foul but it was it was weird um and, and i don't get is, it and this is what they do in women's college basketball now um okay and I, I still I don't like it there either, to be honest. I'm I like the the seven because it takes some of the strategy away to me. And yeah. so anyway, and, and they're trying to avoid oh, just a foul fest at the end of games. Yeah, that's still gonna happen. Like, like I don't know if you've ever never I never mind on my comment, but uh yeah, it's still it's still gonna happen if it's close. I mean, if the game's close, you're still gonna try to preserve the clock, right? I mean, I don't think that strategy will change. You'll have to foul, but yeah, it's a, it's very, and I could see getting more fouls because if your fouls start over, and who's tracking that now? Do you have to have a foul coach on the bench? You know, they're keeping the stats and the fouls. I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's crazy. There is usually an assistant coach yeah. that their job is to go to the official scorebook. And yeah, then, you know, who's got fouls and timeouts, right? There's, there's a yeah. coach that gets tabbed with that for sure. Yeah. Um, 
hey, this is my kind of podcast, Sean. Seven minutes in and all we've talked is hoops. I'm good with that. I don't know if the fans are though, so we better we better pull it back to false. I mean, sports. If, if we need to start talking about the 1998 Chicago Bulls, I can we can do a series on that. But okay, we'll go to football. <laughs> well, before we get to football, Sean, we got to hit the pool first. Oh, uh, state a little wet. Yeah, state swimming did take place two weeks ago. We we obviously didn't do a show last week, Sean. I wasn't feeling well, and my voice still is not quite all the way back there yet. So, uh, you know. I may have to take water breaks for the for the podcast. Hopefully not. Um, but state swimming was two weeks ago. We did have one champion from East Idaho. We wanted to recognize. Uh, it came on the girls' side. Abigail Balsmeyer from Idaho Falls wins the 100 butterfly in a time of one minute two point three eight seconds. Congratulations, Abigail Balsmeyer. Yeah, nice job. Uh, you know, swimming's it's a hard it's a hard sport down here down east down yonder. <laughs> I feel like we're a little behind and I think it, you know, a big part of its facilities, there's not a ton of swimming facilities in East Idaho. So, I mean, lack, I mean, you have to have a pool to swim. So if, you know, there's a few more pools, maybe it'd be a little bit more, but it's, it's one of those things. There are some really good swimmers, um, Pocatello, Idaho falls and, you know, other smaller communities come in too. Cause obviously like, you know, those smaller schools in, in district five and six, they don't have a pool either. So, it's a it's a tough it's a tough scenario, but congratulations to her and good job for Idaho Falls. Yeah, and this is something that I want to explore more deeply because you know you talk to anybody that lives in East Idaho and they they didn't have a very good time as spectators over at the Boise YMCA. That's where state swimming is held every year. It's the only facility in the state that can really hold state swimming. It's got enough lanes and things like that, um, but the but they don't ever fill the building to its capacity, right? It's very sparse um attendance they don't let a lot of people in even though mm. the capacity for the building is greater and so a lot of fans get turned away and a lot of parents that drove all the way to Boise to see their kids compete get turned away and it's it's a really sad deal but the the, the problem is is there's no other alternative there's no other place to have it in East Idaho specifically I've heard stories about um kids having to practice outdoors yeah did the, the in- team practiced I know the Century Pokey Highland practice at the outside um, aquatic center is for as long as they could, you know, until until that they closed it. <laughs> so yeah. the, they were outside, and 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 so it's cold. It gets cold by the time state swimming is is coming around. And the other problem is is that in in like Idaho Falls, for example, when you've got all those high schools and there's one pool, like you've got you've got teams like swimming at ten thirty at night just to get you know, a lane time. And, and it's like, okay, well this third of the team can practice at this time. And then another third of the team will practice at this time and nobody's ever together. And so anyways, we've got, we've got a, a writer at IdahoSports.com that does more like big feature mm-hmm. pieces. And I kind of want him to tackle this topic of swimming. And I know, cause it's a problem for sure. Big problem. Yeah. yeah. You know, since it's moved to be a, a state event, right. It wasn't always a sponsored um, event, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people involved in it and swimming's a big it's a huge community it's a it's a probably an area that doesn't get enough of a spotlight as it should and my daughter was on the swim team for a little bit you know like little kid and you know i know what ravaged it big time was covid i think had a big effect on swimming because they you know they didn't let people in and it got all weird and maybe that's why they don't let people in, in boise maybe that's some more covid stuff still lingering i <laughs> get it um on now but I, I don't know i just know swimming took a big uh 
big hit after the COVID stuff. So maybe, maybe, maybe they'll find out some more on that when they do that story. But it, it's it's uh it's not equitable, I would say, right now for for the for the competitive level you want to be at. Yeah, and the Pocatello schools used to be able to practice inside. Um at Reed. isu yeah read gym um they had an indoor pool there and then the pandemic happened and isu just kind of shut it down that is still is closed still yeah. closed right as far as i know i know the two pools in town um at the community rec center and read gym had like old old uh boilers right and they were both of them are like one piece from not working anymore and so i i don't know if this is true someone said like no one's even alive anymore that knows how to fix these how old they are like oh. the mechanical processes of them um but yeah the read gym one I, I i you know i don't have a ton of information but i know it's i don't think they're planning on reopening it anytime soon okay well nothing like rumors and conjecture here on the east idaho podcast you heard it here first <laughs> yeah um so yes congrats to all of our swimmers that went over to boise and competed and then there's football sean we've arrived here at championship weekend the last time we recorded a prep cast we were going into the quarterfinal round so i thought we would do a a quick you know in 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 memoriam uh for all of the teams that have fallen by the wayside here between the quarterfinals and this weekend um you know you look at the 5a level rigby traveled to eagle for the quarterfinals and lost a heartbreaker single possession game, but it was still a great season for coach Armando Gonzalez and the Trojans. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it seemed to be kind of a heartbreaker, but Eagle has been that team to kind of come up with some wins. So congratulations to them, but Rigby, uh, Rigby still has a good season and doesn't have anything really to be disappointed about uh, just how, you know, dominant they've been over the few years. Yeah. They lost 17 to 14 to Eagle. Eagle gets the game-winning touchdown with 4:47 to play in the contest. Um, so rugby season concludes with a six and five record there. Um, at the 4A level, Sean, we saw uh, both. Let's see. I'm trying to go in order here in the quarterfinals. We didn't have anybody from East Idaho drop out. So uh, 3A in the quarterfinals, Snake River went to Homedale and fell 28 to nothing. A Homedale team that. We'll, we'll talk about more when we get to the semifinals, but uh, for Snake River, District 5 champions, um, they finished the season with a record of 6-5, and five, and um, it was a good year for Coach uh, for Coach Jeff Daly and the Panthers. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think Snake River had a great season. Um, <laughs> I, that 3A bracket, whatever side you were going to get on, it was, uh, was going to be a difficult um, journey nonetheless, but still... Um, very competitive team went, you know, did their best against a good, very good home deal team. Yeah. Uh, dropping in the two, a quarterfinals, we had bear Lake fall to North Fremont 54 to six. Um, so the bears finished the defending champions with a five and five record. They just, they lost a lot of talent from that championship team last year. And then West side took out Aberdeen for the second time, uh, in the season, uh, in the quarterfinals, 34 to eight. So Aberdeen finishes the year six and four Sean that was the team you got to see in their first round win over Firth um they're just a gritty tough team man they they defied the odds they had a lot of injuries to a lot of key players and they just never backed down no Aberdeen is just it's just a tough team like they're tough as nails like that old saying they're just a tough team you know they lose a player next guy up uh fills in and does an excellent job and 
what a great season for those guys um, over there by the water. Yeah. And so those were our quarterfinal dropouts. And then last week in the semifinals, Sean, um, we saw uh, at the 4A level, both Skyline and Pocatello get knocked out. Skyline had to go up against Hillcrest for the second time this year. Outdoors, Hillcrest wins again in a very tight game, 35-31. The problem was Skyline had a lot of penalties, some turnovers early. They fell behind 28-7. to They tried to get a mad comeback, but the Grizzlies ultimately fall short 35, 31 in the final game of the year. Carmine Garcia throws for 201 yards and three touchdowns. Taylor DeMott catches five passes for 89 yards and a touchdown. Amani Morrell, four grabs for 72 yards and a touchdown. And I mean, Morrell will be back. Zion Crockett will be back. A lot of those linemen up front will be back. Skyline's going to be right in the mix again next year. Yes. I mean, that game, I think we even talked about, or I mean, we didn't talk about it on air because, you know, you took a vacation, but um, uh, man, everyone was like, it's a coin flip. I uh, I kind of felt Skyline would maybe win that game, but man, Hillcrest, betting against Hillcrest, Hillcrest should like me because every time I've kind of semi went against what Hillcrest is going to do, they've won. So I don't, I don't know what to tell you, but uh, yeah, a, a tough game and Hillcrest is just a team playing well, but yeah, Skyline and Monty Morell be back. I mean, in my books, Monty Morell is one of the best players in Idaho football period. And so, yeah, good job to both teams. And I actually saw um, the Skyline coach the Saturday before um, that, that game and talked to him a little bit and because he was down watching the ISU game, obviously. And uh, yeah, he was just, he was happy to be there and said, you know, it was just a tough, it had been a tough season and they faced a lot of difficult things, but man, what a, what a positive coach uh, uh, Bolger is, man. I, it's, it's a fun guy to talk to. Yeah. Scott Berger, longtime coach there at, at uh, Skyline High and his son, Michael coaches at Thunder Ridge. Yep. Um, okay. Other for a semi Pocatello has to go to Bishop Kelly. They fall 28 to 18. Um, Pocatello sent a message, Sean. I don't know if you heard about this. They came out with their flag and planted it at yeah. least midfield. I did hear about it. Yeah, at the start <laughs> of the game. Now, to be honest, I think that's something they did every game. Right. That was part of their like you know in intro to the game. They run out and plant the flag, but uh, Bishop Kelly did not take. They didn't like it. I don't think. But I, at at I, home. <laughs> I think Bishop Kelly is used to people just bowing down in reverence to them. Oh, yes. <laughs> Pokey, of course, didn't do that. Uh, and yet, you know, Pokey only loses by 10, despite turning the ball over five, five times. I mean, just think about even if they turn it over three times instead of five, you know, Pokey yeah, go, maybe wins. Yeah, go, going back and looking at that game, you almost got the feeling no one wanted to win it. <laughs> I mean, you just didn't get any... It had no rhythm of like this team's gonna t- gonna you know kind of pull away from it and um i had talked to someone else about it and i kind of thought the game was a, a big dependent on that game was drew Contreras, the quarterback of pocatello i thought if he had a good game and they didn't get down pocatello that is they would be in in good shape but unfortunately that wasn't the case and the turnovers i just wasn't enough for him to mount a comeback i think you just get you know, when you get down, you got to throw the ball, basically. And unfortunately, some of those went to the BK hands. Yeah. Uh, four interceptions and a fumble for that Pocatello offense. Um, Reichen Echohawk, 97 yards rushing and a touchdown in his final game for the Thunder. 
what a career he's had. He'll be a tough guy to replace, certainly. But Pokey does bring back some some players uh, next year, so we'll keep an eye on Coach Spillett's crew there as they fall 28-18. to 18. Um, At the 2A level, Sean, we had an all-east Idaho semifinal. North Fremont hosted west side and the pirates went up and beat the huskies 22 to 8 so north fremont loses for only the second time on the season they conclude their year at eight and two jed hill scored on a quarterback run uh to tie the game i believe eight eight early and then they just could never get any traction going after that uh, hey it, that was that game was uh on my list as is a game that i thought was going to be really really good tightly contested um and Man, I watching Fremont this year. I thought Fremont was maybe the team to beat in two um, A, but like I said, you can't you can't ever bet against a West Side Pirates team late in the season. Um, you know they're just that's a team built to succeed when it comes playoff time, and and that's what they did. And so hats off to West Side because I think a lot of people had North Fremont winning that game, and West Side took care of business, kind of in the, just their typical fashion of running the ball hard and come up with plays on defense. Yeah. A really nice win for the pirates. Um, so, uh, North Fremont season ends at eight and two. Uh, and then in the eight man ranks, Sean, both grace and Rockland dropped semifinal games last week. Grace falls to Oakley 50 to 20. The Grizzlies finished seven and four. They played a very tough schedule. The, the seven and four record, not indicative of how good they are. Wyatt Cutler, 122 yards, two touchdowns rushing. Gavin Draper, only a sophomore, Sean. He threw for 241 yards and a touchdown for Grace in the contest as well. Grizzlies are going to be right back there next year. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about Draper almost any time Grace comes up for football. So um, being that, you know, coming back, they're going to be they're going to be just fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's a solid player. And Rockland making their first semifinal appearance in over 30 years. Uh, they fall to Camas County 67 to 18. Uh, Teague Matthews did everything he could, threw for 225 yards and a touchdown, ran for 219 yards and two touchdowns. Abe Held caught 13 passes for 155 yards and a touchdown for Rockland. Also, that's a big day for Abe Held. Um, this was a fun Rockland team to cover. They definitely lose some really talented seniors, um, but their season concludes with an eight and three record. They were really fun to watch this year. Yeah, Rockland, a great team. Uh, it was fun following them. And um, fortunately, most of those guys will be playing basketball. So they're not really done, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Never done in uh, 1A athletics, that's for no. sure. All right. And so, Sean, let's get to the teams that are still in it. We are here at championship weekend, six championships across six classifications this weekend, four inside Holt Arena, one at Albertson Stadium in Boise, one in the Kibbe Dome in Moscow. And we'll go in order of uh, which games are going to happen first on the calendar. Okay. So our first championship featuring an East Idaho team will be Friday night inside Holt Arena, won a D1 championship, Butte County going up against Oakley. The Pirates defeated Logos at home in Arco last week in the semifinals, 60-26. to 26. Did you hear about the game that Brody Westergaard had for Butte County? Um, it, was, it was a pretty big game. I think anytime you get five touchdowns, is that... Well, I mean, yes, he had five rushing touchdowns, but he also had a passing touchdown, a receiving touchdown. He had a pick six for a touchdown and he had a kickoff return for a touchdown that got called back due to a penalty. Oh my Other, gosh. 
Otherwise, you're looking at a nine-touchdown game scored five different ways. Instead, it's only an eight-touchdown game scored four different ways. I guess we're going to start calling him the Ocho. I mean, he almost hit the cycle in football, right? I guess. <laughs> yeah. That'd be like the cycle. In fo- the eight- one. Did he kick a field goal? I mean. No. <laughs> but, yeah, Butte County, nice job. They're, they've been a fun team all, all year to watch, too, so. I'm pretty excited to see them in the championship spot. And of course, you know, who do they have to play to get there in their regular season grace, right? So uh, a tough conference right there just in itself. So, yeah, and this game will be fascinating. Uh, we do the IdahoSports.com pick six every week where the prep casters uh, across the state pick six games. There's only six games left this week, Sean. It was the six championships. What did you pick uh, in this game, Butte County and Oakley? Um. <laughs> for this one i picked oakley okay uh, i do like usually go east idaho but i i don't know i just went with a gut reaction for oakley and i picked butte county and i and this is a coin flip game you know if oakley won it yeah. wouldn't surprise me if butte county wins obviously i won't be surprised i just feel like sometimes you have a team of destiny right and with Butte County and what's happened this year with Dylan Waymeyer, the young man that suffered that medical emergency uh, a few weeks back on the sideline during one of their games and his continued recovery. I mean, sometimes, you know, you just have a team of destiny and they, they come through and deliver. It doesn't always happen that way. It's not always the Hollywood ending, but that's Plan- kind of what I'm, I'm hoping for. So yeah, they're there. And when you've got, I mean, you obviously have a reason to play, but when you have another, you know, another reason to the Alps, However, my son did pick Butte County. Yes, we we had a celebrity uh, picker, all of us this week, and your son made all the picks, Sean. Yeah, my son. Um, yeah, he uh, he liked Butte County because it, you know, he thought it was funny because Butte kind of sounds like. But <laughs> hey, I can't dispute that. Um, like kicking butt, which they've done all year, right? My, my celebrity picker was my nine-year-old nephew who lives in Montana. And I didn't tell him, he obviously doesn't know anything about the teams. I just told him the mascots. So I was like, okay, it's the Rams versus the Vikings and the Ram, the Rams colors are red and black and the Vikings are red and blue. And I just gave him the colors basically. And he picked from there. So he picked Oakley only because he had previously picked the West side pirates. Um, uh, the game before that and he didn't want to pick two pirates re- reasonable reasonable i think so <laughs> i mean so you know it's a reasonable sound choice so anyways this will be friday 5 30 on idahosports.com one ad one championship should be a lot of fun the second game of the doubleheader friday night inside holt arena sean is that other it's it's all hornets and pirates baby it's the oakley hornets and the butte county pirates and then it's the Declo hornets and the west side pirates for the 2a championship this will be at 8 15 friday night inside holt arena uh this is this is the rematch everybody wanted to see this is by far the most difficult game for me to to gauge how it's going to go sean Declo went to west side and won 28 27 in the regular season it was kind of that crazy game where west side was accidentally given a fifth down to try and score oh yeah late <laughs> late in the game remember um yeah and, and Declo still stopped them on five plays inside their own 10 yard line um i did pick west side because i just think it's really hard to beat a good team twice in the same year and you know west side is is okay they're alert and they're focused now and there's no way they're going to let that happen again 
Uh, yeah, I had to go with West Side as well, just because uh, if there's a team, if you're going to play a team a second time, I, I, it's hard not to pick West Side unless it was like a total blowout or something, right? right. I think West Side is well coached. These kids know how to do their jobs since they were born and they go out and do it. And and I feel like West Side's gotten better every week. They've done something better. I think beat North Fremont was a t- like a big, a big thing in my mind. That's why I went with them. And my son also went with West Side because that was the first Pirates we talked about. Yeah, that was the first Pirates uh, matchup. West Side last week beats North Fremont 22 to 8. Parker Moser, 156 yards, two touchdowns rushing. Eli Brown also threw a 66-yard touchdown to Lincoln Henderson. But really, it's that defense. If you can hold North Fremont to eight points, I mean, you're doing your work. Blayton Roach had 12 tackles. Crusade had an interception. And then Lincoln Henderson had 11 tackles and a fumble recovery for the Pirates as well. So they're good at forcing turnovers also. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting matchup, Sean. My nephew, Robert, picked the West Side Pirates also in this game. Yeah. Um, the, his his reasoning was because he has a school play coming up. It's a Christmas play about pirates, and he is a um, he is a backup pirate dancer in the play. Oh. That's his job. So that's how that's how careers start, you know, backup pirate dancer. <laughs> yeah, I think I you know I wouldn't be surprised if Declo won either. I I think it's a it's a hard game to pick. Um, I, you know, East Idaho, I, I always kind of want to lean a little bit to the East Idaho side, um, of the state, but it, man, I think it'll be, if it's not a good game, that, that would be the biggest surprise to me <laughs> for sure. Um, also Friday night, uh, at seven o'clock at Albertson stadium in Boise on the blue turf, home of the Boise state Broncos. Um, it is Bishop Kelly hosting i use that loosely hillcrest hillcrest is the one seed so they will be the home team even though bishop kelly is much closer they yeah, are the two seed that. um it's a battle of the knights right it's knights versus knights Unde- undefeated knights yes um i gotta be honest i like hillcrest here and i'm not sure i'm not sure it's that close to be honest i think this is Besides Kendrick, uh, I think this is the game that's going to be the least competitive of the weekend. I, I mean, I just kind of look at comparables and I, you know, I think of the Pocatello um, Hillcrest game, super competitive. Um, you know, the Thunder have a chance to catch a touchdown to beat Hillcrest in that game. And I, yeah, I just have a hard time seeing what I saw from Bishop Kelly being able to beat what Hillcrest has put up. Also Hillcrest, beating a skyline team, a skyline team that I think could possibly beat uh, both those teams, right? If they're on the other side of the bracket and aren't in the same, you know, if things go a different way, you could, the championship game could have been Hillcrest skyline. I think are the top of the top of the teams right there. I just, I, and maybe I'll be wrong, but I just, I've, I've watched Bishop Kelly on film this year. I'm not like super blown away by anything they do. They have some good players. Peter Minner, it's a good running back. Oh, yeah. you know, they've got a good O-line, right? I just, I don't know. There's just something not there for me that I see with them. They played in a very weak league this year and got pushed by some some subpar teams in their league. And I don't know. I just, I think this is setting up for a, for a red wave, <laughs> as it were. Well, and him. the last time um, Hillcrest won a championship, they beat BK, I believe, in 2018, too. So, yeah. Um, yeah, hard to bet against, but it'll be it'll be interesting. My son did pick BK though because, um, well, he's 
uh, hmm. <laughs> he's he's heard his dad's opinions on on them a few times and uh, so he uh <laughs> he, he kind of stuck it to me by picking them <laughs> yeah he did that to make you mad right yeah <laughs> he has a sense of he's he's uh you know six years old but he has a, a, a sense of humor very much like me it's pretty funny yeah that's funny uh of course sean is the the varsity tennis coach at century and century's run of championships is matched and surpassed only by bishop kelly in in for a competition so of course <laughs> I, I have no ill will it's just right i mean i i like them whatever but yeah i want to beat them <laughs> yes yeah everybody wants to be bk right um yeah. my my nephew picked hillcrest um he said basically you know he's like because I, I gave him the colors i said they're both knights i said the first knights are black and gold the second nights are red and black. And he goes, Ooh, he said the black and gold kind of reminds me of the Vegas golden Knights, and they're pretty good, but I really like the blood red of the other team. So I'll take that team. I like it. I like it. <laughs> he still has Halloween on the mind, obviously. With the yes. blood red. Um, so yeah, that's Friday night, seven o'clock um, at Albertson stadium in Boise. Um, and then we've got a doubleheader Saturday, Sean inside Holt arena. It starts with the five, a, state championship game. And this is if Westside Declo is the game I'm most excited for. I think Coeur d'Alene Highland is maybe the second best matchup. I think where Coeur d'Alene wins the North, they beat Eagle on the road last week, seven to six. They got outgained by more than double in yardage and first downs. Eagle had 19 Coeur d'Alene had four, but wow. defense wins the day. Coeur d'Alene wins seven to six Highland. Similarly uh, in a low scoring game, they beat Meridian 20 to 14 and get revenge. Uh, Meridian was, and it still is their only loss this year. So Highland gets a big win. Drew Hymas throws a 23 yard touchdown pass to Ridge Barella. This game was zero zero until four minutes left before halftime. Um, and, and Highland led at halftime seven, nothing um, Meridian tied the game seven, seven. And then like two plays later, Jackson Riddle busts off a 78 yard touchdown run to give Highland the lead back. Hymas hits Barella again for a 53 yard touchdown and Highland hangs on and wins 20 to 14. How do you think this five, a championship goes? Well, you know, I, you know, I was at that Highland game and, um, we, we talked about Highland. We never really have seen Highland put together a full game. I feel like they've played three quarters really good. They played two quarters really good. Um, this game, uh, I felt like they put together a full game and maybe Highland's defense is pretty underrated. They had, you know, three uh, fourth down stops that were crucial in that game, which really was the turning point. And um, yeah, I just, I think if you go defense and defense, it's going to be a battle, but Highland's big playability um, has just been phenomenal this year and they've been able to uh, come up with big plays and I, I don't I like Highland just because they've got so many offensive weapons and I think it's hard to stop them from getting one big play for four quarters maybe you can stop for three quarters but I feel like one quarter they're gonna find Ridge Riddle you know Kai Callen really wasn't even involved in the offense that game and he's dangerous so yeah I mean these teams have met for like or these teams have combined for like 16 state championships. You've got like the pedigree of state championships for 5A. I think I would flip it. I would say I'm most excited for this game. And then the West Side one, I feel I feel like this game is um, set to be an epic one, and it'll probably be a low-scoring uh, affair regardless. Both teams don't give up much more than 10 points a game. So 
And I and I kind of shifted all year. I've said Highland is the best five A team, right? Since since August, really since July, I kind of I kind of put my fork down and said, "Yep, Highland's the best five A team." And I haven't wavered from that at all this year, even after they lost to Meridian. I said, "I still think Highland's the best team." And now, wow! Game, in the championship shot, I pick I picked Coeur d'Alene. <laughs> I picked Coeur d'Alene. I just feel like they are. They've got an all-time defense, all-time defense. I mean, they are loaded with playmakers up and down. I do think they can keep Highland corralled. I do think it's going to be hard for Highland to not only score but move the ball. Now it's going to be hard for Coeur d'Alene to move the ball also. Um, I just, I don't know. I got a feeling maybe this is my North Idaho bias coming through, but I took Coeur d'Alene. And one interesting um, um, thing from that Meridian game is, you know, it was 20 to 14 because – uh Eunice from Highland missed an extra point and yeah. then a pretty much a gimme field goal, which I don't know if he's missed anything shorter than I probably all year he probably hadn't missed. So this game could come down to maybe a kick. And I would I would I'd feel like uh uh Zarek Eunice will will want redemption after that Meridian game because what he didn't do kicking, he made up tackling because he was flying all over the field against meridian so if it comes down to a close game you know highland i think their their kicking game is pretty good too and drew hymas is a pretty good punter averaging about 40 yards a punt too so yes um, that's my east idaho biased yes and, and Coeur d'Alene is missing it's starting running back carson spielman um but they've gone to the next guy owen harris and have been able to churn out yards still but yeah that 5a championship is going to be really fun that's one o'clock saturday in holt arena and then the last game sean uh all east idaho battle inside holt arena saturday four o'clock it is teton and it is sugar salem sugar salem beats weezer 25 to 7 last week uh, this was the game you were on the call for. Uh, Carson Harris runs for 85 yards and two touchdowns. Tate Cutler has 74 yards and a score. James Chase throws for 100 yards and a touchdown to Cutler as well. Um, let's start with that game, and then we'll get into what Teton did because it was pretty impressive. But um, what were your takeaways from that Sugar win over Weezer? Um, that Sugar is just good at all levels of the game. You know, they're just really good at all the little parts they – they're big. They're a pretty big three a three a team on the line. They're 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 pretty massive. Um, defensively, they apply a lot of pressure. Um, everyone does their job just really really well. And you know this is their one of their lowest scoring outputs, if not their lowest of the season. And Weezer is not a bad team. <laughs> yeah, Weezer's Weezer, good. Weezer's a very good team. They're well coached. They do a lot of good things. Um, but Sugar's defense is just phenomenal and then you know you have harris finds ways to score um they just they do a lot of things good and uh you can see why they've dominated all year but yeah i've i was impressed uh seeing sugar live for the for that game and seeing what they could do but um yeah it was a it was a good game like the score it kind of got away at the end but it, it was it, there was chances we sort of had chances throughout that game to come back so it was a very good game. I just feel like Sugar plays a complete four quarters, um, and they and they just compete just really well. They don't have a, they don't have a weakness. That's the thing with Sugar. Like, where's their? Oh, they don't have a defense. Uh, no, they just they don't. There's not a weakness that I see that's glaring. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is a very tough opponent um, for Teton, and let's talk about it because everyone 
I think everyone assumed, oh, yeah, Sugar in Homedale again. That's what it's going to be. Teton says, I don't think so. This game was tied at 42-42, which is what Teton wants to do. They want to get into a shootout. Homedale had only allowed, on average, I think, like 14 points a game uh, coming into the matchup. And so they forced Homedale to match them score for score. And honestly, um, I think that's what they'll try to do against Sugar Salem also. But this game's tied 42-42 late in the game and Jack Nelson, the quarterback scores on a 25 yard touchdown run with just 13 seconds to play. It was a passing play. He rolls out to his left. Nobody's open. He decides to take off and run Sean. He lowers his shoulder and he scores the game winning touchdown with 13 seconds to go. Teton wins 49 to 42. What an impressive win for Teton on the road at Homedale. Yeah. I think a lot of people had kind of penciled in Homedale and, no, and we knew this. Teton is good. You know, Teton has been phenomenal all year, and Jack Nelson is uh, a force to be reckoned with, and he has been all year. And I, I'm pretty interested. I know the first, you know, matchup between Sugar and Teton wasn't, um, you know, people might think, oh, Sugar is going to win easy, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a much closer game than what the the peanut gallery might think. Yeah, so, I mean, just some stats from the from Teton's semifinal win. Uh, Nelson completes 15 of 21 passes for 153 yards and three touchdowns. Also rushed for 83 yards and two scores. Jack Joyce had 167 yards rushing. Thomas Husevelt has 141 yards and two touchdowns rushing. Husevelt also catches nine passes for 78 yards and a touchdown. Joyce catches a touchdown pass also. Um, there's just so many weapons to stop for this Teton team. Um, I was so impressed um, in, in the victory. It was, it was really impressive. I'm trying to look back at when they played earlier this year, Sean uh, sugar Salem did win 41 to 14. I was going to try and pull up some of the statistical leaders from that game. So in that win, they really went to the air. Uh, James chase threw for 212 yards and a touchdown. Carson Harris rushed for 112 yards and a score um, as well. And they really bottled up Jack Nelson. Nelson only completed 17 of 37 passes um, for 178 yards. He threw a touchdown, but he also threw three picks. And so I just, that doesn't happen to Jack Nelson very often. And so, I mean, it's kind of cliche to say, uh, if Teton wins, our QB has to play well, but I really do think mm, yeah, I'm down to. Yeah, and like like I started saying from that game against Weezer, I was so impressed with Sugar Sam's defensive line able to get pressure on Weezer, and I think that disrupted him a lot. I mean, Sugar Salem is big. That's a, It's got to be one of the – if we did a weight comparison, I bet you they're one of the biggest defensive lines in 3A. I wouldn't – I'd bet some money on it. So, I yeah, if Sugar's able to get the pressure and Jack Nelson isn't able to do what he can do, then it could be – tough and also i was impressed with james chase of sugar he actually had a lot of um uh good playmaking ability by a lot of design runs they did a a few more sugar did a design runs i think usually they were giving it to um harris but weezer was kind of stopping that they had some good um it was running back versus running back uh uh caleb glove Uh, grove 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 was always tackling harris and Harris was always talk, tackling Grove in that game. And and Grove was kind of stopping Harris, which I don't think has happened much this season. I mean, he didn't stop him totally, but 
Um, they went to a little more quarterback designed run plays and it really was hard to stop chase. So it, it'll be an interesting battle for sure. Yeah. And I can't remember if we shared this story on the prep cast or not, but of course, two years ago, you know, sugar, potentially is going for four championships in five years right the one year they didn't win was two years ago against weezer where the game goes to overtime sugar decides to go for two instead of the extra point to send it to a second overtime they go for the win they throw it in the flat to carson harris who was a sophomore back then and brett spencer weezer's all-state db that uh, has since moved on to the university of idaho makes an incredible tackle at the goal line to deny him weezer wins by a point um and then later that baseball season sean sugar salem and weezer are both at the same in-season tournament and um harris gets a double and brett spencer's playing shortstop for weezer and they kind of look at each other and go hey don't i know you from somewhere <laughs> <laughs> they had a laugh about it um so that was kind of a cool moment but I, I'll tell you what, I know some people that live in Sugar Salem and that loss to Weezer yeah. really bothered them, like really bothered them. Yeah, that was that was on the minds of of many of that game. I had uh, some conversations with people that they had not forgotten that game. They would have five in a row if they didn't. They, there was a chip on Sugar Salem's. They they had no they they were taking care of business uh, in that semifinal. Because uh, they took that one game away from them, they had not forgotten. <laughs> I mean, to to the point where the the sugar baseball coach is also the offensive coordinator for the football team, and I was talking to him ahead of that state tournament um, that Sugar was at, where they were playing Weezer, and he he said a lot of these guys are like we haven't forgotten, and they <laughs> like we every day are reminded of it, and it did it just ate away at them, and so I'm glad they were able to vanquish that foe. I'll tell you. Uh, Teton, meanwhile, of course, has only won one championship in its history. It came back in 1999, Sean. So Tyler Richens is the head coach for Sugar Salem, right? He's led the team to what could be four championships in five years. Teton's only championship comes in 1999 when they're led by a quarterback named Tyler Richens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And he and he's also their athletic director and great guy. And But, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of uh, a perfect storm right you're gonna play the team you won one with and they're looking to get back there so i mean it's a championship game and both teams are gonna they're gonna leave it all out there for sure and i will say this sean uh because there's gonna be a lot of people there obviously a lot of teton fans and a lot of sugar fans any neutral observers any fans that are just like hey i want to go watch this game they're gonna be cheering for teton i mean nobody outside of sugar's and Salem wants to see the diggers win another championship. Nope. <laughs> nobody does. So that the entire crowd outside of the digger faithful is going to be cheering for Teton. So digger nation, I know you're going to show up, but you, you probably should bring reinforcements. <laughs> yeah. They're, they had a, they had a pretty big crowd for the semifinal. On, we were on the side that sugar Salem sat on and it was, there, there was a lot. And I bet you there'll be a few more Saturday. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So it'll be a fun one for sure. Four o'clock Saturday inside Holt Arena. And again, you can listen to all six championship games for free on idahosports.com this weekend. So uh, we've got girls basketball previews up on the site. We've got, uh, you know, big news in the world of cross country as well. Sean, um, Neela Roberts from Skyline 
uh, qualified for nationals. She went to the Nike Northwest Regional and placed high enough to qualify for nationals. So good luck to Neela Roberts. That'll be coming up in a couple of weeks. And she signed to go to BYU, I believe. Yeah, let me double check that. I, I think they they had a well, there's been a ton of signings right now. We, we won't get into all of them, but tons of national letters and tents going on in East Idaho. I believe I saw she was signed for BYU. Yes, BYU. Yep. Uh BYU's just scooping up the best East Idaho athletes. Um in, in Isaac basketball. Davis. Well, well, Isaac Davis. Who's playing yeah, well, football for your crest. <laughs> and well, and, and in girls hoops, which has started Brindley Cannon from Shelley and Cambry Barber from Rigby have both committed to BYU. So Amari Whiting tapping into that East Idaho talent there, or excuse me, Amber Whiting, the coach, yeah. uh, tapping into that East Idaho talent for sure. So anyway, so we'll talk hoops more next week. Of course, we'll talk football championships as well. And hopefully my voice is back to like a hundred percent. We'll see uh, on next week's show, but uh yeah should be a good time sean oh yeah i um championship weekends are always always fun it'll be uh it'll be good i think there's a lot of competitive games out there east idaho's and a bunch of them that's always i think a great uh reflection of our communities here in east idaho and district five and six uh credit to the coaching um and the hard work the kids do because uh you know i sometimes feel like the odds are definitely stacked against east idaho but they keep on performing and keep on raising those blue trophies so i mean in 3a no matter what east idaho wins so you can't go wrong there (laughs) exactly so uh five of the six games will have at least a team from east idaho competing 1a d2 the only one that won't so all right enjoy the competitions this weekend everybody whether it's basketball wrestling football whatever it is uh, for Sean Kane, I'm Brandon Bainey. We'll see you next week for another edition of the East Idaho Prepcast on IdahoSports.com.